Hello, everyone. Thank you for listening and joining us for another episode of Black 13. I'm Ryan. And I'm Candace. And today we are spilling the tea on who we are becoming as 30-something women. We're inspired by our forever first lady, Mrs. Michelle Obama, and her best-selling memoir titled Becoming. We're ready to take a good look at who we have been, who we are, and who we want to become. Yes. In this episode, we ask you to identify with us the many ways you've grown and what work you still have to do to be the woman you've always wanted to be. I got some work to do. Same girl. (laughs) Be ready for our true and honest feelings. And of course, some laughs as always. You can also expect some advice from experts. That's right. Then we'll share the 30 for 30. That's when we provide 30 things you can do today to become the best version of yourself. Now, this edition will be a little different. We'll provide 30 quotes from Michelle Obama and other Black women who inspire her to help us become the best versions of ourselves. Ooh, I'm so ready for this. Me too, girl. I need it. Me too. All right, let's get to it. It's tea time. Clank, 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 clank. What you drinking, Candice J? Um, water from an overpriced Nordstrom water bottle. Nordstrom, that is bougie. It's so extra. It has glitter. It's rose gold, and it's really not functional at all. If I'm going to be honest Did it with you, cost ten dollars or like how much was it? I'm ashamed to say, but it's really cute. The, the way the glitter cascades when I drink, <laughs> to me, it makes it worthwhile. But it's real hard to get the water. <laughs> So are you already bougie or are you becoming bougie? See what I did there? You know what? I'm not playing these reindeer games with you. Not today. (laughs) Not today. Well, I'm drinking my green tea, which is my favorite from Trader Joe's. Holla. Noise. Actually, look at us with all these um, brands. Come through with the sponsors, y'all. For real. For real. Cut us a check. (laughs) Anyway. Respect on my check. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So. Mrs. Obama, Mrs. Michelle LaVon Robinson Obama. Come on, we all know government. Her. Yeah, the government name girl. She really needs no introduction. She is the beautiful, intelligent, and grounded wife of former President Barack Obama. She grew up in the south side of Chicago. And in her first memoir, Becoming, she reveals personal stories from her journey from Chicago to the White House and her life after living at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. Now, this book is broken into three sections labeled Becoming Me, Becoming Us, and Becoming More. So many people have this book. I know many of you do. Um, so you probably have read a lot of it. So we don't want to give too much away to those who haven't read it. Um, but here's some, some snippets for you guys. Definitely. So in the Becoming Me section, Mrs. Obama talks about having working class parents who invested in her and her brother. And even when her father was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis, he wanted to work. So from them, she believes she really developed a a work ethic that led her to Princeton, Harvard, and beyond. In the Becoming Us section, she talks about her relationship with this intern who was irritatingly late to their first meeting. (laughs) Now, of course, they fell in love and she fell for his mind and his passion for the people. You know how they get you. Um, And she even supported his political ambitions, even though she was not a fan of politics at all. She wanted the simple life, but 
Mrs. Obama reveals how this life, it it really did put a strain on their marriage. So that's the Becoming Us section. Mm -hmm. And finally, we have Becoming More, where she talks about life after the White House. Mrs. Obama shares the feeling she had the first time she opened a window at her new home. (laughs) A window. (laughs) Something Secret Service was not here for, okay? They had her on lockdown. Lockdown. (laughs) (laughs) She shares when she made toast. This is actually really sad. She shares when she made toast, when she sat in her backyard alone, when she was able to breathe and take time for herself. If this don't sound like Mm. Miss Seeley after she left Mista's house. Oh my God. The color white instead of the color (laughs) purple. Is that different or okay? So, Let of mercy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so her reflections have pushed us to ask ourselves, who are we becoming? Now that we are 30 something women, let us consider what major life event or experience has made us become the women we are today. And how do you define that woman? Are you becoming someone else when you become an us? That's a big Mm. question. And is that a good thing or a bad thing? And lastly, who are you striving to become? So Candice, I pose that question to you. Let's Mm. do the the first section. Uh, What major life events or experiences have made you become the woman you are today? And how do you define yourself? Wow. Okay. (laughs) I know. It's it's a heavy. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, All right. So becoming me. I think one major life event or experience um, is definitely living with my grandmother. Uh, She was a high school English teacher. um, And from her, I really did um, get a commitment to education. And I guess Mm -hmm. specifically, you know, she, (laughs) so rather than going to preschool, I was enrolled in preschool, but -hmm. she was like, no, I'm going to keep this baby with me. So a lot of times she would bring me to her classroom with her. Wow. Um, and so High she would English. Yeah. And so she would make me like sit in a, at a desk and like go through the exercises with them to the best of my abilities. Um, and, and going, how old through, are you? Oh girl, I was little, I was supposed to be in preschool. So, wow. Yeah. Two and three. basically, um, but that was something that really, you know, made education a core part of my experience and also made me comfortable expressing myself because she had debates in public speaking, which she also had me participate in. <laughs> Um, I would love to debate three-year-old Candace. Oh, it was extra. She was really unreasonable. Um, (laughs) And then I guess on a a more serious note, um, another life event would be my mother's stroke when I was in fourth grade. Um, My mother, you know, wasn't as an only parent. And so that time and experiencing that, I think it really did force me to grow up and mature a bit earlier um, and to develop a resourcefulness um, that really has been a part of my quote unquote brand um, in both professional and um, in in personal spaces. Um, But I think going through that, it really forced me to look at myself and look at my surroundings differently and develop more of a survival based mindset. Mm -hmm. In some ways, I've had to work to undo some of that because it's very difficult to focus on both surviving and thriving at the same Mm -hmm. time. And right now I want to thrive, not just, you know, have my basic needs met. Do you feel Um, like you can't do both? 
I, I actually don't think so. I think it's a completely mm. different mindset. It's, you're looking at how you view risk, right. um, whether you're risk averse or more risk tolerant. And when you look at the risk and reward frontier, you have to be more um, open to risk if you want to have greater returns. And right now I do want large returns for myself. And so right. I have to undo some of that survival based uh, framing that mm-hmm. I that I developed. Mm-hmm. Um and then finally, you know, I'd say my my last big event um, was around the time that I was 25. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a time where some of my mental health challenges really came to a head. Um, and in that year of being 25, I um, attempted suicide twice. Mm. And I think... I don't think I know that from that experience and going to therapy and I just, I will always be thankful for the therapist I had at the time that was actually provided by my church. (laughs) My church paid my, my therapy bills because I did not want to go through my insurance for different reasons. Um, and they were like, we will front front the bill while you get the help that you need. And it was from that therapist that I basically, you know, decided I have to create a project plan for my life because where I'm headed, I won't be here much longer. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I was hashtag retired at 25, as some of our friends remember, and (laughs) people didn't know why that was happening. Mm -hmm. Um, But I will say that from that experience and taking time off to focus on me, I did have a renewed commitment to my faith. Um, a renewed um, interest in just introspection and reflection, understanding like, why am I here? What makes me tick? What has driven me to this point? Um, a feeling like my only way out is just to be done with life. Um, and although I wouldn't say that I was able, that all of the learnings from that time came to fruition immediately, I do think that it planted the seeds for me to do things like go to business school, to be a bit more um, choosy with my professional things, to be a bit more choosy about the people that I had in my life. Right. And to say that if they weren't there to help me grow and if they weren't there to really help me live at that time, mm-hmm. um, that I had to deprioritize or fully eliminate those relationships. Um, but it really did change the course of my life um, when I was in a place where I was ready and attempted to take my own. Let me ask you, because you've talked to me about this before and you said that you are willing to talk about it because you want to talk about things from a place of healing, right? Tell me a little bit more about that. Share that with everybody, because I think that's really powerful. Oh, absolutely. So I have to say, I really got this from uh, Glennon Doyle. (laughs) Mm. who's um, this amazing, amazing, you know, activist and influencer. She does the together, she has together rising. But one of the things that she said was that when deciding what to share from our personal lives, that we should speak from, um, from our scars. So from things that have healed, not from open wounds. Mm. And so I am in a place now where I do feel like I have the learnings. I have since moved on. Um, and I know what I need to do for myself not to ever get back to that space. Right. Um, so I'm, I'm finally ready to speak about it, but you know, this is seven years later. It's not something that I spoke about immediately. And I know that, you know, it was something I didn't even share with my friends until, Mm -hmm. you know, a few years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, but that's, that's why I feel comfortable talking about it now. And say that one more time, share things from a place of scars and not open wounds. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that with all of us. Yeah, absolutely. And I, like you said, you know, it's 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 important to reflect on all of those life events um, to see how they have shaped us into who we are right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that 
you know, that's really important to do. You know, why am I the person I am right now? When I think about that, I, I really immediately think of my village, Mm. Um, you know, the women and the men uh, who invested in me, you know, of course, topping that list is my mom. You know, she always (laughs) kept me busy. I was always at a summer camp or a sports practice or doing some homework. Every hour of the day was planned. I was going to be busy. I was going to have something to do. Um, And I remember one time I had a project due and I had to practice. I had to practice some music. I think it was like a, I made up some interpretive dance, y'all. And I had to (laughs) wave some scarves. Yes, scarves. Yes, interpretive dance. Yes. And I was dancing to this baby face soundtrack, a song on a baby face soundtrack. I'll never forget. But we didn't have a CD player in the house. And so my mom opened the back door. She blasted the CD from her car (laughs) so that I could practice. It was about 8 p.m. and we just did it over and over Oh my god! Until I until I got it right, and she just always made sure I had what I needed, whether it was late, um, whether we didn't maybe fully have everything that we needed, it was going to be done um, because she was invested in me, and um, I know that I am you know a multitasker and someone who's committed to lots of projects um, because of that now. Um, and then my dad too, he, he always made me feel like I could do anything. I remember he helped me create a campaign, a campaign poster for my race to become ASB president in eighth grade. <laughs> I won by the way. Okay. Holla. Come through president. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I remember when I wanted to be a cheerleader in eighth grade too, my cheer coach told me I couldn't be on the squad and play basketball, which I also played. Um, and so he told her I couldn't be prohibited from doing both. And had a lengthy conversation with her. Oh, and that's right. um, exactly. And I was on both teams. So um, I, from that, learned that there's nothing that I, I can't do. I've never felt like, you know, something is not for me. I, I'm going to always at least try. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I'm, and I'm thankful that my parents gave me that. Um, and then when I think about all the performances or award ceremonies or graduations, my family was always present. You know, my grandmother was always there when I received any award. My aunts and uncles and cousins, they just have always been by my side or, you know, had me over to the house or we'd celebrate holidays together or whatever it is. And um, to me, just having that village, having that sense of comfort has always also made me feel like I can do anything because, you know, if I fall, I have all of them to hold me back up. Um, and so they all really mean a lot to me. Them and close family friends, too, from my faith community who are basically family. I mean, some of the kids now don't even know we're related. We're not related. <laughs> they they think I'm a cousin, too. So um, they they've all really, really supported me. So I know I am who I am because they are who they are and because uh, I know I I couldn't become uh, who I am without the standard that they held me to. And I really appreciate that. Mm. Wow. Wow. That's beautiful. Yeah. So I'm really shout out to all the people in my life. (laughs) Yeah. So isn't that so crazy though? I mean, it's like we, we know that human connection is important, but I do wonder, you know, in light of how much the people around us shape who we become, mm-hmm. how things like shifts from us, you know, not having in face 
interaction as much anymore. Mm. And now it's primarily yeah. digital or like not having yeah. this, having increased quantity, but not the same depth of relationships. For sure. I'm actually really curious, like who these generations to come will become. Yeah. <laughs> because the nature of like interaction and relationship is just going to be so different. Yeah. And I think it's really easy to fall into that trap of being a Facebook family, right? Like, mm-hmm. oh, I know so-and-so is doing well because I saw him post a picture. Yeah. Or because they were just doing this. Like, did you actually check up on that person? Have you talked mm-hmm. to them? Have you guys seen each other face to face? Yeah. Or you just feel like you know what they're doing because of their social media updates. Um, and so, like you're saying, even though, you know, we all feel like we're connected, um, that physical interaction is cannot cannot um uh, we we can't get rid of that um yeah. we have to we have to stay connected to each other definitely yeah so anyway Ooh. thinking about connection it makes me think of the other part of her book the becoming us which i think is critical right you oh, know a lot Lord. of us you know now that we are 30 something women are either partnered up or thinking about partnering up um and that's a big part of who we are too mm-hmm. yeah yeah yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not gonna, you know, go into this too much. I feel like I've said it on a previous episode, but yeah, um, this one, <laughs> <laughs> this one, I was expecting it to Spill be the tea. No, I'm just, kidding. just a series of unfortunate events. You know what I mean? Like I was just like, mm. this is the biggest con. I don't know why any people, particularly women, are still doing this because you tend to lose in life after you this become an us partnership. <laughs> For real. I was like, this is the biggest con ever. Like, of course the other person is better for you being in there. Look at all the different, like the additional work you're doing, but like, how are you better off? Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm happy to say I've changed my mind. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I think I just had to see what it looked like when it's right. Like when you're with, Mm. you know, the right person where it doesn't feel like sacrifice. And so for me, the becoming us has definitely been, about growth and, and maturation through partnership. Yeah. Um, I have to say, you know, seeing that person and being with that person who is a reflection of you um, and who can be your accountability partner, not only for your union and the things that you have committed to each other, but also just encouraging greater commitment to yourself mm-hmm. um, has been incredibly helpful. Right. Um and it feels like it's the best like hybrid between a board of advisors and like a fan club ever, you know, a board um, of advisors and a fan club, you know, but seriously, because I think one of the beautiful things about the becoming us is that intimacy, that, that vulnerability, that trust, that honesty. And so once, and, and I can, I can only speak for how it's manifested for me, but mm-hmm. For me, like once I had articulated my visions and my desires and my dreams and my fears to another person, mm. you know, then it became real. Mm-hmm. Right. And then I mm-hmm. had this this other party who was going to hold me to that and right. tell me when I was inconsistent, you know, when my actions didn't match those desires that I had expressed for myself. And it's not that I always want to hear it. Ugh. But I know that it's coming from a place of honesty and wanting that best thing for me. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I can say right now, the becoming us has been amazing. Um, I know that I am better with, and in many ways, because Mm -hmm. I'm with him. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. And I mean, if I'm honest right now, I couldn't, I couldn't ask for more. 
I'm near tears. Stop it. Because you know this is so different from who I was before. Let me just tell you guys, the Candace J in college, the Candace J some years ago, whatever, like, whatever, man, blah, 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 So for her to be all lovey, gushy, mushy. Stop it. I don't know who Stop. this is. Girl, I don't even know. But who I'm she loving is her. Either. I'm loving her. And I'm loving that he makes you feel like that. Yeah. So, yeah. That's what I want for every woman. Enough every about me, person. girl. Tell me about your becoming us. Diverting. <laughs> 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 okay. Anyway. <laughs> no, but I, one thing that you said that I re- really resonates with me is that, um, you know, becoming an us is like having a, me- a constant mirror around you to reflect who you are to your, like, back to yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's how I feel about, you know, having been married for five years. I, for sure. Ooh, it's been a, five years already? Uh, this year will be five years. Oh my Can gosh. Girl, congratulations. Thank I did not know you. it's been that long. Yeah. It, we're, we're approaching five. We're almost there. Wow. Um, which is amazing. And I know for a fact that I'm a better person because my husband is my partner. Mm-hmm. He loves on other people in a way that I truly admire. I, he loves on me. He loves on my baby. He loves on my mother. Like mm-hmm. He just, he loves people who I have difficulty loving on. I'll just say it that way. Yeah. Um, and I am, I am inspired by his heart and he, he makes me a better person for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and with that though, comes him holding me, you know, to a high standard, right? And saying, why are you doing this? Or why are you doing that? And for me, that's frustrating because <laughs> I don't always want to be told. I want you to leave me alone. Yeah. And maybe I don't want to grow that day. Maybe I just want to go <laughs> sit and watch Lifetime. This isn't right? a growth day. <laughs> this isn't a growth day. Okay. <laughs> I'll grow tomorrow. Right now I'm stagnant. Thanks. Um, <laughs> that's so real though. <laughs> it's true. It's the truth. I don't want to do the work today, okay? <laughs> this is segment Saturday. Thank you. I quit growing today. I'll try <laughs> growing tomorrow. <laughs> um, but like you say, but when somebody really loves you and cares about you and wants you to be the best version of yourself, you push them. And vice versa. There, are, uh, there have definitely been moments when I've had to push him and say things that maybe I knew were going to be difficult for him to hear. Yeah. Um, but I know that he needs to hear it. So, you know, that we are making each other better. And I'm thankful for that. And I'm happy to be in us. Um, mm. But I've also realized too, that it's easy to forget about me, right? Mm. That I can be so wrapped up in being wife and being a mom that I can quickly lose touch with who I am and feeding myself. Yeah. You know, I'm, oh, we've been spending so much family time together. And I love, I can't tell you, I love just the days when we're just at home eating pancakes, those, those little moments. And they're yeah. great. Um, but then I think, you know, have I called my girlfriends recently? You know, have I had that time to just sit and watch an hour of Law and Order SVU just because I like it? Mm-hmm. You know, um, you got to feed yourself too. Um, so my cheesy thing is you can't spell us without you. you get it? <laughs> oh, anyway, but it's true. <laughs> Why are you like this? Because it's how it was created. Go with it. So. Yeah. <laughs> Um, you have to be sure to spend time with your friends. You know, I got to go to my salsa class. I have to do stuff that I enjoy so that I can be a better partner for him. I can be a better mother for my daughter. Mm. Um, I got to be able to, I got to feed myself. Otherwise I have nothing to give them. Yeah. 
So I'm, I'm learning that. But something else I want to say is, and I know um, this is kind of off a tangent from what Mrs. Obama was talking about in the Becoming Us section. But to me, when I think about Becoming Us, it includes work partnerships as well. And hmm. this is really important to me um, because in my 30s, I've definitely become more cognizant of marrying my talents and ambition with companies where I feel valued and appreciated. I am over feeling like, you know, the, the intern who needs to please everybody and just has a head down doing my, my work and whatever they throw upon me. Um, I'll just get it done, you know, regardless of the sacrifice. Um, I've been at too many places. I've become an us at places where I felt undervalued and hidden. Um, and those feelings have made me become sad and depressed and angry. I even lashed out at my husband and people that I love. Mm-hmm. And I've, I have learned my lesson from that. So I'm not becoming an us somewhere where I'm not me. Yes. And so to do that, when I'm becoming an us at different companies, I'm thankful that I love where I am now. Um, but it's, I'm just realizing it's so important to do that, to partner my professional self with people and at places where I thrive. And that doesn't mean that there won't be times that are hard or I won't be challenged, but it means that I shouldn't be, I shouldn't become a different person and act less than I am. So, um, I I just wanted to say that too, because that is certainly something else that I have, I have learned, um, and that I, I refuse to do again, hold me to it, Candace, but I, I, I'm not. I'm not doing that anymore. Yeah. It's just like being in a bad relationship, a it romantic is. relationship. Why, it is. why keep myself suffering at work? I'm not, mm-hmm. I can't do that anymore. Yeah. And I think that, you know, especially from some of the things or the, you know, the challenges I had around the time I was 25, I think that one of the biggest takeaways was like an emphasis on my time. Yes. You know, like be, being in a space where I was almost out of time now makes me feel incredibly protective of my time mm. because I just feel like it is like it is the currency of my life. Um, sure and so when I do look at my partnerships and being an us to your point of not just with romantic partners, but also with professional partners mm-hmm. and platonic partners and just mm-hmm. all the different things that that are all vying for our time and attention. Yes, it absolutely. It's like if I'm losing the me, if I am dishonoring the me, if I am debasing the me in order mm-hmm. for the us to be right, this, 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 this didn't need to happen. It didn't need to happen or you need to throw it away and keep going. Exactly. And I think one thing that I really appreciate about being a 30 something now that I didn't have as a 20 something is this discernment, yes. right? Like I yes. think that it's not that it's just, you know, we're all knowing it in our thirties far from it, mm-hmm. but there is something where there is a, an increased confidence I have mm-hmm. in my gut, in my intuition, in my you know, discernment when something's not quite right. And I can tell this isn't where I'm going to thrive. Can I make it work? Sure. But here's the thing, like many of us can mark, make pretty much, we can also mark, but we can make like, <laughs> we can make a lot of things work. That doesn't mean it's where we need to be. Right. And I think exactly. that's one of the exactly. things that like has really come out for me in this becoming us is like, but is this an us where I am the best me? Right within this us. It's what you said, the difference between surviving and thriving. I can mm-hmm. survive in any work event. If you have asked me to do something, I'm going to do it and I'm yeah. probably going to do it really well. Yep. But that doesn't mean that I'm doing I'm doing well. 
mm-hmm. that I'm thriving, yes. that I'm my best self. That's it just so means real. I got a task done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can Those do it well, different. but am I doing well? That's so real. Yeah. Tweet of a moment, as Oprah would say. Girl, I may have to write that on my wall. Like that's <laughs> Oh, I made a post it, y'all. For yes. real. I'm like, am I about to quote my gut? Oh my word. Oh my word. <laughs> but it's it's true. Yeah. It's true. So if that's who we are now, who who is it that you want to become then? You talked about the discernment that you've gotten at 30, 30 being a 30 something. Hmm. Um, you know, who you who do you hope to become, you know, as a 40 something, 50 something uh, oh, tomorrow? Wow. wow. Um, oh, wow. That's hard. I know <laughs> it is. Yeah. Um, I think I definitely want to be bolder. Mm. Um, and it's linked to that whole, you know, transition from surviving for sure, from a more survival based mindset and, yeah. and be more comfortable taking risks. Um, I want to become more confident um, mm. and to be confident in a way where I, I own my value. You know what I mean? At work or just in general? I would say, I think it applies to multiple areas of my life. Okay. Um, but I think where it's most um, immediately relevant is professionally. Yeah. Of just making sure you know what? I have to give this to to Jason Madden. Um, he's done some really interesting work with like design and social impact. But one of the things that he talked about, which is a um, something he says, like as people of color in business, we need to work on is mm-hmm. to stop allowing the powers that be to divorce our impact from our presence. And so Ooh. making sure that the things that we are creating, that people are properly attributing it to us. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that I have not done well. And so I do want to be more confident where I insist that Mm -hmm. where I have impact, Mm -hmm. that my presence is directly associated with that as well. I think that's because we kind of train to be humble. Yeah. I think particularly as women to say, you know, oh no, no, it's, you know, no one wants to, to tout their, um, their work, right. That that's hard to do to say, actually, uh, I did that. You guys should hear all the amazing things that I did today. Mm-hmm. And, and being able to balance that, do you think that that's part of it? I do. And I think that it's not only as women, but for me, it's the intersection of my identities based on race, gender, and socioeconomic status, mm-hmm. that there is a um, a tendency for us, I think, to be overly focused on gratitude and mm-hmm. the absence of extreme hardship and not insist upon the presence of opportunity and reward for our efforts. Mm. And so I think that that's something that I'm actively working against is that, yes, I am grateful for opportunities, but I will also own what I have brought to the table and insist upon reaping those rewards as well. Got it. I love that. Um, I hope to be more trusting. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's something I already see happening in me, but um, I hope that continues a bit more. Mm -hmm. And finally, I want to be more balanced. It's it's something that I'm I'm not there yet, but I'm starting to see how necessary that is. Um, I want to be balanced emotionally, more mm-hmm. uh, physically, mentally. I want I want that balance in my life so that I can be my best self. Yeah. Um, and so that I can like run this marathon <laughs> called life. Mm-hmm. Right now, I'm approaching it like a like a sprint, yeah. and I know that that is not sustainable. And so mm-hmm. I'm I'm hoping to balance things a bit more. 
I don't do marathons and I don't sprint. So, I mean, let's be real. Have you ever seen me do like a slight jog? I don't like to be <laughs> airborne. You know what I mean? Like, what am I, why am I leaving the ground? What? Why? What? Yeah. That don't even make no sense. Um, I honestly just don't think that's how I'm set up. That's um, hilarious. But yeah. How about you, girl? What are you becoming more of? Well, there are things I hope to become. I don't know if I, uh, all of them I'm not completely successful at, but um, you mentioned one, which was becoming more bold and more mm. more boisterous. I, I really want to use my voice. Um, I think I do suffer from uh, wanting to be nice so mm. much so that, you know, I don't want to speak up or say anything that might hurt somebody. Yeah. And I'm and I'm thankful to be kind. I, I'm glad that that's part of my character. But sometimes it's kind to be honest and to say mm. and to tell the truth, um, and to say what people need to hear. It might hurt initially, um, but if it's going to help them grow, help me grow, help either the company that I'm at or the world around me, the community around me, it's important. And I'm hoping to to tap into that more. I've done that a little bit. I've for some reason thirty. I was like, okay, <laughs> I got a little confident. I don't know where it came from. Um, I don't know if it was because I had a baby at thirty too, and I, I guess I feel like I feel a little bit more like Mama Bear, and like mm. I have I'm creating this world for her too. And um, you know, so everybody better be right because my baby's coming. I think that's kind of <laughs> how I feel. Get it, get in line. <laughs> Don't act a fool around my child. So that's real though. <laughs> so it could be that. Um, but I, I definitely speak up more and say more, and I hope to do even more of that. Yeah. And I also want to embrace failure. Hmm. I don't want to be so scared of it. You know, there's some things I just I want to. I don't want to feel like uh, you know scared to um, push myself and and um, try something that may go wrong. You know, I want to feel like, oh, that's, I, I messed up really bad there. Oop, up, try it again. That's not my mindset at all. Mm-hmm. I'm quite the opposite. You know, I cringed and I didn't do that right. And don't talk about it. Don't talk about it. You know, it was, I, I'm so embarrassed. But why? Um, you know, if I tried something wrong, okay, now I know not to do it the next time. Keep going. Yeah. I, I really want to, uh, I think that, and I want to be able to feel that more. Mm-hmm. And to embody that. And so I'm going to push myself to become uh, more familiar with failure and to be comfortable with it. And I think with that, you know, just to be more comfortable with um, caring less about what people think about, you know, how my opinion makes others feel. I said that, but it, that's really important to me. Um, and actually, I just, you know, we recently had celebrated Martin Luther King Day and I read a quote um, that really perfectly articulated who I want to be. And uh, he said, use me, God, show me how to take who I am, who I want to be and what I can do and use it for a purpose greater than myself. Wow. And I never knew how to phrase that, but that's exactly it. That's probably my daily prayer now. That's who I want to become today and for the rest of my days. I want to be better tomorrow than I was today. And I hope that I can become the person that does things and for a purpose that's bigger than me. Um, and if I can figure that out, then then I'm happy. Hmm. And if I can eat some ice cream too. <laughs> <laughs> Preferably from Cold Stone. Of with course. With chocolate dipped cone. Of course. Then I'm good. 
You want to have some I have a dream ice cream? I want some, I have a dream that one day someone will deliver some cake batter ice cream. Girl, honestly, you could probably get that from DoorDash. Oh, do you think I can? Yeah, I'm not, I'm would be surprised if you can't. Do you they think deliver I'm a part so of much? King's dream or absolutely not? Oh. But we ain't even gonna get into the stuff they didn't put on him. He would well, be like, what? Who said what down? Huh? Who said what? Bye. <laughs> Bye. Hilarious. <laughs> All right. Time to phone a friend. Ring. <laughs> So, of course, for this episode, our expert is very obvious. It's the author, Mrs. Obama. Yes. (laughs) So like we said, we're going to share some memorable quotes from the book um, and learn the lessons that only Mama Michelle can teach us. Yes. Okay. So one thing she talked about was the many ways she was scrutinized as a Black woman, obviously, in the spotlight running for, you know, two campaigns, right? Um, remember the fu- the fist bump? She oh was called gosh. Obama's baby mama on Fox News. Mm-hmm. Crazy stuff. So she talked about that in the book. She said, quote, it was as if there was some cartoon version of me out there wreaking havoc. A woman I kept hearing about, but didn't know. A too tall, too forceful, ready to emasculate Godzilla of a political wife named Michelle Obama. Mm. Then she goes on to say, I was female. Black and strong, which to certain people translated only to angry. Mm. It was another damaging cliche, one that's been forever used to sweep minority women to the perimeter of every room. I was now starting to actually feel a bit angry, which then made me feel worse, as if I were fulfilling some prophecy laid out for me by the haters. Mm-hmm. Can I just say that I love that she included by the haters? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Absolutely, Michelle. Yes. (laughs) Anyway, so I love that part of the book because to me, it was a perfect example of how easy it is to become what others believe you to be, Mm -hmm. right? That they have this image. They created this caricature of her, Um, but your character can be different from that caricature that they, very different from that caricature that people present you as. And I've learned that as I become more outspoken and more comfortable in my opinion, I have a long way to go, but I'm, I'm more comfortable with it um, and less worried about others' perceptions of me. I'm also more susceptible to being misunderstood mm-hmm. and labeled that angry back woman that she talked about. That's certainly happened to me a few times at work. When mm-hmm. I said something, I spoke out and I can tell everybody's kind of like, oh no, here the black woman saying something, you know, like they're scared. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I hate that. Why can't I just be as opinionated as everybody else? Why do I have to be angry? Yeah. Um, but it's, it's a test for me to stay grounded in who I am, to continue to speak up and to not fall victim to that terrible stereotype and, and label of being an angry black woman. Um, it just reminds me of her famous line, uh, when they go low, we go high. Um, you know, you don't have to please everybody. You won't. And people may not always like you, but I like me. So whatever. Yeah. I don't have to stoop to their level. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, that you know, so I think sometimes we get to a point where we just realize, like, the fantasies that you made up about me in your head is none of my business. Yes. And that's something that I suggest you work out with your God or your therapist. Yes. But <laughs> I don't have time to unpack your bias yep. or your bigotry. 
Yes. That baggage is not my own. It is you not know? my and own. So, Put that down at LAX. How about that? Absolutely. You know, mm-hmm. and I think that, you know, that's something that in recent years I really made peace with as I saw different isms at play mm. where I was like, oh, okay, that that's what you're doing right now. And it was like, again, like Tamika Foster said, you know, ex-wife of Usher, not my circus, not my clown. Oh, and- I was like, who? <laughs> is this some dignitary y'all know? low key low key her her clapbacks are classic but i remember when she said that and honestly that it was just such an aha moment for me not my circus not my clown i see how oh. this is going down but that don't have any, that has nothing to do with me nothing. and it's not a good use of my limited time and energy to unpack this with you i didn't create that in you and i'm not yeah. going to work on fixing it in you either and so all we can do is move forward <laughs> And yeah. try to be that best version of ourselves. But, and, you know, I have to be honest, I'm not fully bought into the, when they go low, we go high. Um, mm. I think Eric Holder, he came out in recent months and he was like, when they go low, we kick them. Oh. And I do think, and, and, and I have to be honest because <laughs> there are some times when the low is so egregious mm. that it is actually dishonoring those who are impacted by the low right? to somehow act like they didn't exist. You know, and to not directly address and call a thing a thing mm-hmm. with the low that is present. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I understand what she was, you know, going for there. But right. but I have to be honest, that's that's not something that I I would say that I adopt <laughs> or, ah. or accept even most of the time. <laughs> that doesn't surprise me knowing you. Yeah. So I get that. But I and I actually I agree with that. But I don't know if I think that going high means that you don't address it or you sweep it under the rug. Is that is that what you think that she meant? By I do. That? I, I, I I think I think the way that it that it actually manifests right. is often a oh well you know not really addressing it or not not being open to punitive measures being applied when someone has gone low. I understand that. I to me I understand it as you know if someone is being nasty, I don't also have to be nasty. I can be direct. I can stand up for myself, but I don't have to. Um become less than who I am to match their ugliness. Mm-hmm. That, and I that's think, how I feel. And I, but I understand what you're saying too, because sometimes people just need to be put in their place. Yeah. And not only that, I think that people who are accustomed to going low, anything mm-hmm. other than accommodating their lowness is perceived as going low. You know what I mean? Or, and so I think to them, right. what going high means is either ignoring or actually allowing that behavior to continue. Um, and for me, I'm, I'm definitely more of a like direct confrontation. I don't think that, I don't think that confronting a thing is necessarily going low to me. That's going high because you're actually looking to resolve what's happening there. And that might be a big point too, because the, the confrontation thing, I have a big, that's difficult for me too. directly addressing somebody and saying, you know, unless it's really bad, but you know, having those difficult conversations, um, is tough. Yeah. Yeah. See, I'm definitely more of a X has happened, you know, and I will say in the moment, no, actually I'm going to continue what I was saying or, you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm more of a person who's just going to call that thing a thing. I'm not going to act like it didn't happen. Right. Um, And I'll make sure that you know that I know what just happened. (laughs) Yeah. And then we can move on from there, but only after we've acknowledged what, what transpired there. Call a thing a thing. Yeah. Or sometimes a thing too. A thing. (laughs) 
All right. So here's another gem from Mrs. Michelle Obama. She says, I tried not to feel intimidated when classroom conversation was dominated by male students, which it often was. Uh, Hearing them, I realized that they weren't smarter than the rest of us. They were simply emboldened, Mm. floating on an ancient tide of superiority, buoyed by the fact that history had never told them anything different. Wow. Look, I I mean, now this I might get tatted across my chest. (laughs) (laughs) That line that floating on an ancient tide of superiority. Yes. Yeah. It's so real. The fact that history never told them anything different. Exactly. You know, and, you know, this is where I think really us deliberately um, and intentionally interrogating the imposter syndrome when it happens in us becomes really important, Mm -hmm. you know, and really asking who are the real imposters in the room. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, And even, you know, I think a lot of times we're susceptible to that when we are from marginalized or traditionally, you know, disadvantaged populations. But to me, that's even more proof. That's proof positive Mm -hmm. that you got it going on. Like if you ended up in the same place with the trials and tribulations that have been added to your life, Mm -hmm. do you really think you are less than? To me, that sounds like you're even, you know, probably more qualified Mm -hmm. to have ended up in that same place in spite of those things that were on your plate. And so I hope that, you know, as women, as people of color, as, you know, whatever, if you have any marginalized identity or whatever your story has been, just that when we are in the room, we know that we are there because we are smart, because we are capable. Mm -hmm. And that there's really the the imposter syndrome is just such a wasted feeling. It's real. It's real. It's real. But it is something that I think that if we just take a step back and are able to really like, sometimes you just got to reintroduce yourself to yourself. You know what I mean? And just remember, no, I got here because I deserve to be here. Mm -hmm. And the questions that I have or the differing opinions that I have, they have their place. Right. You know? For sure. And it makes me think that, you know, why is it that we always feel imposters, right? Like why... Mm -hmm when we come into the room and like, I have to prove something to others. Um, you know, why is it that you just assume that you're supposed to be there, but I have to prove that I'm supposed to be in the same room as you. Mm-hmm. Um, so to me, it's part of my speaking up and, you know, being my best self, becoming my best self is also an education to other people saying, Oh, you know, women like Ryan, uh, black women like Ryan, you know, people from the community, like Ryan's community, you know, deserve to be in the room just like me. And I hope you take that back to your home, to your neighborhood, teach that to your children. And that um, you see that I can, of course, open the door to other people, but also open your mind to other people like me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's so real. And I mean, I'm not going to lie. It's not going to be easy and we're not always going to be met with people who are excited or embracing of that aha moment, but it's right. still necessary. I will say like the biggest issue that I usually encounter with people in these types of situations is when they realize that I am not seeking their approval. Yeah. And I, and I, and I see it happening in their head, like yeah. that meme where it's all of like the figures and stuff and they're real confused. I can tell, <laughs> honestly, particularly those who, who are in positions of privilege when they realize that I am not seeking their approval. Mm-hmm. It's, it usually takes some time for that mm-hmm. to really like. Oh, wait, you, you don't you don't need me. Yeah. No. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Yeah. 
I love that. Um, Michelle Obama um, also said something. She she gave a speech uh, when she supported Hillary Clinton at the Democratic National Convention in 2016. And uh, she said, since childhood, I believed it was important to speak out against bullies hmm. while also not stooping to their level. And to be clear, we were now up against a bully, a man who, among other things, demeaned minorities and expressed contempt for prisoners of war, challenging the dignity of our country with practically every utterance. Of course, she's talking about Trump. Um, and so, <gasps> no, <laughs> I hate you. Um, but what to me, it's again as she talks about you know, needing to speak up and speak out, kind of like you were talking about, Candace. Some people can just go so low that you can't do anything but push back. You you gotta speak up. You gotta you gotta do something. You gotta get into that good trouble, um, as John Lewis would say. Mm, yeah. Uh, but to do something when you know, when you feel things and you know things are not right. And I mean, I think particularly as black people, we are part of a legacy of folks who literally sacrificed their lives to speak out. Yeah. Um, so we have the responsibility to keep that going. Things are obviously far from where they should be. Um, and so when we do see those things, when we up against those bullies, those people who demean us and other people um, who look like us, it is important to speak out, to say this is not right and to do something about it. Um, and I, and I, that's what I got from from that part of her speech. Yeah. 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 I hear you. I hear you. I mean, I have to be honest, the only part that kind of does still is still challenging for me mm-hmm. is like this idea of the emotional labor though mm-hmm. and how mm-hmm. black women often are coming they are expected to be the fixers, are expected to be the disruptors, are expected to be the saviors. Um right. without really being again. supported at all. Um, and mm-hmm. so I, I totally hear what she's saying here, but I do have to say that I would also encourage, um, you know, my fellow sisters in the struggle, um, mm-hmm. to take care of yourselves mm-hmm. that, you know, absolutely to, you know, consider and to join the fights that, you know, resonate with you and that you believe are important. Um, but, you know, there are times and I, and I will say that there were times in my life where, I did make calculated decisions not to fight for people who weren't willing to fight for themselves Mm. and who I felt were better positioned to fight for themselves. Mm. You know what? Let me stop talking in cold. Let me just get into it. Get it. So we're going to talk about like the women's movement, right? Like Mm -hmm. the women's march and a lot of that stuff. Mm -hmm. For me, I still had a lot of challenges with that when there was that renewed sense, or I should say new sense of, oh, wow. People are finally targeting me. Um, I guess I care now. And if the expectation that Black women were going to cape for everybody when we have been out here in this fight by ourselves for so long. And mm. my thing is, why is it on me to talk, uh, you know, in many cases to white men right. about the injustices and the things that you are facing? facing. Mm-hmm. If you aren't willing to take that pussy hat roll over and talk to your husband. No, but I'm serious. Why is it on me to do that when the powers that be are within your own home and you're not willing to have these difficult conversations? So no, I'm not going to put myself on the line to fight your fight when you never fought for me and when you have greater proximity to impact the change. Why is that on me? And so 
I get what she's saying here. Don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. But I couldn't help but also think of times where I know everybody in the room was looking to me to fix something when I felt like they were better positioned to do so. Mm -hmm. And that it is okay if we do reach that point of saying, I am not going to fight this fight for you. I will consider fighting alongside you, but I do not have to consistently put myself on the line to save everybody else. All I can say is yes. (laughs) There's nothing else to say after that. Yes. Yeah, Yeah, that one. uh, Oh, That's all. It's all one big sigh. One, two, three. Right. Because <sighs> I know too many of us feel that way. Why is it always me? Why do I have to be the one that says something again? Yeah. And you're yeah. not willing to do anything, Mm-mm. but you want to benefit from my work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You want to be, or even, you know, sometimes you are my oppressor. Are we going to yeah. talk about that? Well, that's another episode. Oh, oh. okay. <laughs> all right. <laughs> we say that for another episode um and michelle obama she also talks about being stressed and overwhelmed hmm okay never heard of that before i don't even know what that means um but she describes a moment at lunchtime when she left her desk picked up a fast food lunch after running errands and sat in her car alone with the radio playing she says she felt overcome with um, relief and impressed by her efficiency. <laughs> and this yeah, is a reminder yeah. for us, I think, that when life is hectic, find relief in those little moments still. Yeah. You know, sometimes play that song or in Ryan's case, have your mama blasted from a car. You yes. Know? But okay. get that song going. <laughs> mm-hmm. Take a bite of that burger. Uh, celebrate yourself for getting it all done. Or for at least making the effort to get it done. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I love that about that. She said she was impressed by her efficiency. Mm-hmm. You know, that you sometimes you think, oh my God, I did all this stuff. And you're worried about all the stuff that you did wrong or that you didn't do. I think it's good to give yourself a pat on the back once in a while and say, dang, I have a lot to do. And at least I got X, Y, and Z done. Yay me. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Just to take a, take a break, relax. Um and to be an advocate for yourself too, and, and a cheerleader for yourself. Yeah, yeah, I know that's right. Mm-hmm. All right, time for thirty for thirty. Third time for third time. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. As promised, it's time for us to mention five of the thirty quotes from Michelle Obama and other Black women who inspire us to become our best selves. Yes. All right. So first up, the difference between a broken community and a thriving one is the presence of women who are valued. That's from the State Department Women of Courage Awards in 2009. Yeah, that's when Michelle uh, spoke there. I think actually the the top, the five that we're going to give you guys now are all from Michelle. Mm -hmm. Um, We might throw in some other women now and then, but I really like that one. Um, Women who are valued as Candace was saying, that we can't be, I think particularly as Black women, you know, the ones who are on the front lines saying everything, doing everything, and not feeling supported. Mm-hmm. All right, number two, don't ever make decisions based on fear. On fear, Make decisions based on hope and possibility. Make decisions based on what should happen, not what shouldn't. Mm. 
She said that when she was campaigning in Phoenix in 2011. I love that. Yeah. All right. Uh, The next one. Whether you come from a council estate or a country estate, (laughs) your success will be determined by your own confidence and fortitude. Yeah. Hmm. Um, Number four. You cannot take your freedom, freedoms for granted. Just like generations who have come before you, you have to do your part to preserve and protect those freedoms. You need to be preparing yourself to add your voice to our national conversation. Hmm. Yeah. And when was that? She actually said that during her final speech as first lady. Wow. Yeah. Okay. okay. I know. Mm-hmm. And the last one, again, I understand <laughs> a lot of y'all like it. So here we go. Whew. All right. Here it don't even go. feel right coming out my mouth, girl. My mouth didn't dry it up. Okay. <laughs> she, you're just relaying the quote. That's you're right. it. We're you're just right. sharing. You're right. Okay. You know, take everybody take from this what you will. Mm-hmm. You know. That's right. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> when someone is cruel, stop, girl. You can't. You can't be laughing because you know okay. I'm taking every part of my shanda to get this out. I'm quiet. Okay. When someone is cruel or acts like a bully, you don't stoop to their level. No. Our motto is, when they go low, we go high. Can you say that again, Candace? You know what? <laughs> I'm not playing with you today. You're about to have me have an asthma attack. Okay? Got my bronchioles all feeling all vulnerable right now. Well, all of you listening, let us know what you think about that quote and many of the others, what you think about the book, how you're becoming the woman you want to be, who you are now. Um, And of course, we'll share 25 more quotes on our social media pages. So be sure to follow us. And you know what? If any of y'all also got issues with this quote, please let me know. Because I know I can't be the only one who felt this way. I'm sure you're not the only one, Candice J. Thank you, girl. Okay. And thank you all for joining our conversation this week. Yes. We hope that you will spill the tea with us in our next episode. Thank you, everyone.